As the kids make their way downstairs, what better lead-in to our Believe series uh, this summer uh, as we continue to delve into doctrine. Um, Doctrine is often considered to be dry and boring, um, but uh, we're trying to uh, to make an exception, if you will, this summer. How many of you are enjoying the doctrinal series so far? Ten weeks on the core doctrines of Christianity. I hope you are. Um, I love this stuff. I really do. Um, we're going to continue that series today with a message entitled, What We Believe About Heaven. What We Believe About Heaven. Let me say this um, at the outset. Uh, that just to prepare you, uh, that it is difficult to capture all of eternity in 30 minutes or less. Um, but I'm going to give it a shot this morning, so just uh, bear with me. Uh, 17 years ago, this coming December, um, we were celebrating my daughter Rachel's seventh birthday uh, at our house, not the house that we're currently in now, but uh, another house that we were in in Roswell at the time. Um, all her friends had just arrived at her birthday party. I think it was a Saturday, um, or I don't have full-blown memory of all this, but I think it was a Saturday. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we were getting ready to, to just celebrate her. It was a big day. And uh, then we got a phone call um, right before, you know, we were... We were going to be uh, celebrating Rachel. Uh, it was my brother Cliff in North Carolina, and he told me that uh, my mom had found uh, my dad uh, dead uh, that morning uh, in the house. Um, dad had died suddenly, unexpectedly. Some of you have experienced this and just the shock uh, of that. He had an aneurysm uh, that ruptured at the base of his brain. Uh, Dad was 72 years old when he passed away. He was in great shape, um, did what he called his calisthenics every morning. And uh, he was a yard guy, loved to mow the yard, and he had a pool that he took care of, all that kind of thing. And um, at the end of each day, he would sit down in the driveway in his little lawn chair and, and sort of survey you know, all the work that he had done on the yard that day, and he would smoke one cigarette. And, uh, and that, that was just kind of a picture uh, of who my dad was. He had retired when he was, I think, 55 years old, and so he had a number of years in retirement there. But needless to say, it was a shock um, to, to all of us and uh, certainly a, a, a profound disruption for Rachel at seven years old, you know, say, what is going on? It's my birthday. Um, but uh, mom and dad had uh, a friend and, and a neighbor uh, in North Carolina that was close to our family. He was a pilot and he had a business where he leased private jets and, and this kind of thing. And so uh, we were told that uh, he was getting ready, and he was on his way to Atlanta to pick us up um, at one of the smaller airstrips uh, around here. Scott, I think you took us to the airport um, uh, that day, if I remember correctly. Um, I, uh, we gathered Rachel's presents and all that kind of thing. She's still kind of wondering what in the world is going on. And uh, we go to this little airport, get on this little bitty jet, and... Um, which was a blessing to get us there so quickly. Um, and and uh, John invites me to sit up in the co-pilot uh, seat up there with him. 
uh, Kim and John's daughter and Caleb, they're, you know, starting to help Rachel open her gifts. And so she's opening her birthday presents, you know, on the way to North Carolina. I'll never forget, and this, this has just stuck with me uh, over the years, my memory of all, how all that transpired early in the day is not crystal clear, but I will never forget as we began to climb in that little plane and we began to move through these white puffy clouds until we got to kind of cruising uh, altitude. Uh, I just began to wonder, you know, I mean, we think about heaven as these white puffy clouds and, you know, playing harps and all this kind of thing. And it just kind of brought all that to my mind. And, and, I, and I, I, I began to wonder, where is my dad? Really? This is real now. Where is dad really? What is he doing right now in this moment? I can remember thinking that as that plane is is climbing through those clouds and thinking, I wonder what he's seeing right now. I wonder what he's experiencing in this moment. Heaven became more than just a distant thought because really for the first time, you know, I, as far as close family and that kind of thing, um, you know, I had somebody uh, there that, that I loved dearly. It was surreal as we flew through those clouds. Questions about heaven just flooded my mind. And I knew that my dad had given his life to Christ six years earlier. My dad... Uh, gave his life to Christ when he was 66 years old. We invited him to an event uh, down here in Atlanta. It was actually an Atlanta Braves, uh, kind of a breakfast sort of thing. Sid Bream spoke, Brett Butler from the Dodgers. My dad gave his life to Christ um, that day. And so I knew he was in heaven, uh, but but the questions just kept coming. And you may have many of those questions uh, yourself. And so this morning, uh, what I want us to do as we think about heaven is I want us to put everything we think we know about heaven aside uh, and let the Bible answer uh, a few key questions. And so in the time that we have left, um, I want to focus on five questions when it comes to heaven this morning. The first is this one. Where is heaven? <laughs> where is my dad? You know, where is heaven? What is heaven like? What is the experience there? What will we look like in heaven? You ever thought about that? What will we actually do when we get to heaven? And then who gets to actually go to heaven? And so I want to walk through with that structure this morning as we focus on what the Scripture says about heaven. Number one, where is heaven? So when we think about heaven, we automatically look where? Up, up, and rightly so, at least for now. The Scripture speaks to what theologians call the intermediate heaven. It is not labeled intermediate heaven in, in the Bible, but uh, extrapolating from the Scriptures that we have on heaven, uh, theologians refer to what is called the intermediate heaven. It's where all Christians go immediately when they die. Now, it's not purgatory. 
It's not a place where we're in some form of soul sleep, where we're not conscious. Those are not biblical concepts. It is a spiritual realm where we experience the perfection that we were promised by God and we await the resurrection of our bodies. And so, you know, typically, even now, and I was telling some guys this morning, um, when when we think about heaven, you know, we, we don't think necessarily too deeply about all of the details there. We just know we're heading to this place of bliss where God and Jesus are are present. But even every time as I begin to dig down and study um, heaven, it's just a new uh, revelation, if you will, for me and a reminder of what the Scripture actually says about heaven. Uh, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way. He says, But you have come, speaking of heaven, you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. He- heaven is often referred to as a city or as a country in the Scriptures. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. There's a, a beautiful picture being painted there. You have come to the church of the firstborn, those resurrected, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. So the Bible tells us that when we're absent from the body, when we die, the moment that we die, we are absent from the body and we are what? Present with the Lord. And so Jesus is there to greet us. The angels are present, as we can see. We will encounter the holiness of God and we will be welcomed by our loved ones, the spirits of those who have gone before us who have been made what? Perfect. Will be perfect. And all who are there will be perfect. But at this point, it's important for us to note that our bodies don't come with us. Some people are like, excuse me? Yeah, our bodies don't come with us, yet somehow... From what we see in Scripture with Lazarus and the rich man and other pictures of heaven and Abraham's bosom and and different names for heaven in the Scripture, somehow we're able to recognize and relate to one another. Will we have temporary bodies there? The Bible's not clear on that. Will it just be sort of a Jedi mind thing? You know, we'll be able to to recognize the different spirits who are there and and identify who they are. The Bible doesn't say. It's not clear on that. But it does tell us that that heaven is not our final destination. Did you know that? So, wait a minute, Phil, where are you getting that from? Did you know that as a believer, after you go to heaven, you will have one more change of venue until you're settled for all eternity. Did you know that? Every believer who has ever died is currently in this intermediate heaven, if you will. It is a place without suffering. It is a place without sin. It is a place of perfection. A place we'll look forward to our bodily resurrection and relocation to what the Scripture calls the new earth. 
Ultimately, the Bible says instead of looking up to heaven, heaven will come down to a place that God calls and creates as the new earth. At the end of the age, when Jesus returns, Satan is ultimately cast into the lake of fire. We will be reunited with our resurrected bodies to rule and reign with Christ on a new earth. Is this what you think about when you think about heaven? An earth where the lion and the lamb, we just sang it, will lie down together. An earth where sin and suffering are no more. Where there is no more conflict, where there is no more pain, where there is no more toil, where there are no more tears, where there's no more death, the Bible tells us. Peter put it this way. He said, but in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. And then in John's revelation, Revelation chapter 21, he says, then I saw a new heaven and I saw a new earth for the first heaven where we, where, we, where we go immediately when we die. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea, there was no longer any separation whatsoever between God and righteous men. He said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. And so ultimately, we don't go to heaven, but heaven comes down to us in the form of a new earth where we will rule and we will reign with Jesus. We won't just dangle our feet off of a cloud. In other words, it won't be this sort of, and I don't know about you, but I, you know, I can go there in my head. It won't be this sort of weird, unfamiliar, ethereal place. Does anybody, does that ever, does it ever feel that way to you sometimes? It's like, what? What's it going to be like? It will be all that we love. Pure, perfect, and new. Remade recreated that's where heaven is but what will heaven be like the bible describes heaven in a variety of ways that we sort of piece together uh, like a jigsaw puzzle if you will through the old testament and ultimately all the way to the book of revelation in revelation chapter 21 the angel showed john a vision of heaven of the new earth, a place where the glory of God produces all the light that is needed. Its brilliance, he says, was like precious stones. Its streets paved in gold. So what we value most here on earth, we will walk on in heaven. 
He speaks of it as a city once again. And he says, on no day will its gates ever be shut. For there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. There is no sin in this place. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. No bad news. No bad days. No crime. No punishment. We will be engaged in life eternal. On a new earth. Without the challenges, without the conflicts, without the constraints that we have today. Amen? Who's ready? Randy Alcorn, who wrote a fantastic uh, book on, on heaven, one of the most extensive books that's been written on heaven, and I would encourage you to, to read it. It's called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. He, he put it this way. I, I love this. It gave me a, sort of a different perspective. He said, just as a new car is a better version of an old car, but with all the same essential components, so too will the new earth be a better version of the old earth, but with the same essential physical components. I don't know about you, but I don't always think about heaven that way. But that is the picture that the Scripture actually paints. And that is a comforting picture for me. In other words, we'll be ultimately in familiar territory, if, if you will. Not some strange, ethereal place. But it'll be perfect. Beyond what our minds can even imagine or conceive of as perfection currently. There'll be no hospitals. There'll be no funeral homes. There'll be no cemeteries. And believe it or not, there'll be no churches. I'll be out of a job. we will be living the reality of what we attempt to do here each week. Worship. A lot of people wonder what we'll look like in heaven. I'm confident these glasses will be gone. Hopefully the gray hair and the dad bod will be too. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, and just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man. Who's the earthly man? Adam. Just as we have borne the likeness of Adam, so we shall bear the likeness of the man from heaven who is Jesus. So we shall bear his likeness. What we look like in heaven, we will bear the likeness of Christ. In other words, we will bear the likeness of Jesus' resurrected body, which we do have some record and indication of what that was like in the Scripture. After his resurrection, uh, Jesus, when he appeared to the disciples, he invited the disciples to touch him. And he said this, he said, Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. He said, touch me and see. 
A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. In other words, on the new earth, our ultimate destination, we will not be some sort of disembodied apparitions, but we will be physical human beings. It will not be a strange state of being, but it will be perfectly normal, literally. What age will we appear to be in heaven? You ever wonder that? Will our new bodies be skinny? Just like everything we want them to be? Will our complexion be perfect? Kim and I have a a son in heaven who was born prematurely and died several minutes later, will he be grown up when we get there? We know he's there. What will he look like? Those details are a mystery. But we do know that all things will be made new. No sickness, no cancer, no sin. No death. So what do we do for all eternity? That's a long time while we're in heaven. We're both in our intermediate state prior to the resurrection of our bodies. And on the new earth, our ultimate destination, we will find our greatest pleasure in God. We do know that. We will find our greatest and ultimate Pleasure in God. We're in training for that right now. Worship will be our natural disposition. We won't have to be dragged to church. Worship won't be something we do. It won't be somewhere we go. Worship will be who we are. Revelation 22 says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God will be in that city, and His servants will serve Him. Some indication of what we'll be doing. We'll worship, and we'll work in heaven. Not the toil that we experience under the curse today. There'll be no weeds to pull in heaven. No briars to scratch. But it will be work that results in the fulfillment that we all deeply long for. That no work and nothing this side of heaven can ultimately satisfy. We will reign and we will rule with Christ, the Bible tells us, over this new earth. And we will be given responsibility based on our faithfulness here. Now, our, our behavior and, 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 and our, our sin and our mistakes and our failures don't keep us from getting into heaven because we step into the righteousness and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And that's the only thing that gets us into heaven. But our faithfulness here does determine our level of responsibility in heaven. 
Will there be levels of bliss? Possibly. There'll be no jealousy. There'll be no envy. We do know that. What we do in this life matters, in other words. If your work never worked out here, it will work out there. You can count on it. You will have your dream job. God will see to it. We will worship. We will work. And the Scripture says we will rest in heaven. How many of you are ready for that? I remember watching my mom for years. She lived with us for 13 years and was hospitalized 34 times in that 13-year period. She never rested. I mean, never rested. It was part of her nature, but physically also with the challenges that she faced, she just never rested. But now she is. Now she is. We'll rest physically, we'll rest emotionally, we'll rest relationally, we'll rest financially. None of those pressures will be there. Hebrews says we will literally enter His rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We'll worship, we'll work, and we'll rest. Revelation fourteen thirteen says, Then I heard a voice from heaven, John is saying this, and the voice said, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, they will rest from their labor. Without tension or strain, for all eternity. We'll be with those we love. Jesus said that an interesting thing also, that there will be no marriage in heaven as we know it on earth. You know, Jesus said that, so that that's the way it's going to be. And we know it's, everything's going to be perfect. We know everything's going to be wonderful. There'll be no, you know, heartache or regret or anything. But golly, Pete, I just kind of flinch a little bit on that one. It's like, whoa, what do you mean? I mean, what will my relationship? There's no need for marriage in heaven. Do you know what marriage is for? The whole purpose of marriage here? It's a shadow. It's a foretaste. It's a reflection of Jesus' relationship with the church. With you and I. It is a picture that we can, we can touch, we can taste, we can see, we can feel of ultimately what it will be like when we're face to face with Christ. We are His bride. He is our groom. There will be no need for earthly marriage in heaven because it is a picture of what we will be experiencing for all of eternity. We won't long for it anymore. We won't desire it anymore. Our relationship with our spouse, if it's not perfect now, which none of them are, none of us have a perfect relationship, will be perfect then. Pure. As good as it gets. 
We'll still know our spouse, certainly, and our relationship will be beyond what we could possibly imagine here. But we won't be married, Jesus said. Nothing about heaven is bad. (laughs) If the new earth is anything like the Garden of Eden, I get asked this question all the time. There are pictures in Scripture of the new earth being uh, recreated as, as a picture, if you will, of the Garden of Eden before sin entered the world. And uh, there were animals, certainly. Uh, the animals were given names by Adam in the Garden of Eden. And people always ask me, you know, man, will my dog be in heaven? C.S. Lewis said, yeah. And a lot of what I've read from different theologians, certainly the Scripture doesn't say, you know, Jesus proclaimed your dog will be in heaven. That, you know, that, that it doesn't come out like that. But if truly this new earth is remade in, in, in the likeness, if you will, of the Garden of Eden, there will be animals present. So it's very likely that all dogs do go to heaven. And a lot of you said amen. But who else gets to go? The Bible is clear that heaven is not the default destination of all humanity. You hear me? Heaven is not the deep. When we are born, we are not destined for heaven um, as, as we grow into adulthood. Only those who have trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and chosen to live for him will occupy heaven. Jesus said, narrow is the way. In keeping with God's character and for Kim and I, as, as a couple who has a, a child um, in heaven, um, we certainly believe uh, that children who have died prematurely and as well as people who are cognitively unable to process the gospel uh, will be present in heaven as well. That's just who God is. That It would be contrary to his character if that were not the case. But Jesus said this, is a verse that we're all familiar with, John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me or by me. The scripture is crystal clear on that, that heaven is not the default destination of all humanity. Our hope of heaven is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And it's my prayer that each of you here this morning have found that hope in Him and that at some point in the future and for all eternity, I'll see you there. Let's bow our heads. Father, there's so much about heaven that we don't understand. So many pictures in the scripture, Lord, and pieces that seem to be missing to to fill us in fully. That's where our faith comes in. Lord, you were clear through Paul in Philippians when you said, um, now we see through a glass stained darkly. We we don't fully know, but, but then, Lord, when we're face to face with Jesus, we will know 
not just in part, but in full, and we will be fully known. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the hope that we have in heaven. We thank you, uh, Lord, that uh, our loved ones who have preceded us in Christ uh, are a great cloud of witnesses, Lord, cheering us on even now, waiting for us um, to arrive. And, Lord, we thank you that um, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear what the future holds. Lord, it is held firmly in your hand, and you promise us, Lord, a destination uh, of perfection in heaven for all eternity. Uh, Lord, we thank you for that, and we place our trust in Christ who makes that possible. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.